Well, if you guys want to open your Bibles to Jude, uh, Jude is uh, before Revelation. Um, we finished, uh, last time I was up here, we finished 3rd John. Uh, so the next book is Jude. And so every time I, I'm asked to come up here, I'm going to be going through Jude. And then after that, I have no clue where we're going to go. Maybe in the Old Testament, maybe stay in the New Testament. I don't know. I'm still praying. But uh, Jude is actually the third smallest book in the New Testament. You got Philemon and 3rd John. They're actually smaller. Um, it's only 25 verses, so that's 608 words in this little, little letter here. But it's very powerful, it's very practical, um, so I'm excited. So let's go ahead and read in Jude, Jude chapter, well there's only one chapter, verse 1, uh, all the way down to verse 2. <laughs> it says, uh, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Um, that's it. Um, today we're going to go over seven things about, uh, really just looking by way of background and introduction to the book of Jude. There's so much jam-packed here that I didn't want to just fly through it and skip all this stuff, so... The first thing I noticed is, who wrote the book of Jude? Well, it's Jude, Jude himself, right? Uh, his name in Greek is Judas. In Hebrew, it's Judah, which means he shall be praised. And I learned three things about Jude. The first thing that I learned is he was a servant, a servant. If you look at verse 1, it says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So, um, this word doulos, servant, mentioned 127 times in the New Testament, means a, a bond slave. Basically the lowest job that you can get is to be a servant, right? And, and yet Jude calls himself a, a, a bond slave. In fact, Paul mentions himself as a bond slave as well. In Romans chapter 1 verse 1, uh, he says, Paul, bondservant of Jesus Christ. James, he mentions it as well. In James 1.1, 1, 1, he says, uh, James, a bondservant of God. Uh, Peter mentions that he's a bondslave as well. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So uh, a slave, understand a slave has nothing. A slave... Um, well, kind of is nothing compared to the world, right? The, the workplace. Uh, he submits everything to his master, and that's what Jude did. He submitted everything to Jesus Christ, his master, and su submitting his will, his wants, his desires uh, to the Lord. And we fall into this category as well. If you are the church, the body of Christ, the uh, believer, an overcomer who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, um, Jesus paid for you and I as well. He purchased us. He bought us. Uh, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. So get the picture. 
You and I are servants of Jesus Christ, right? A servant has nothing. Uh, and, and imagine, by the way, okay, a servant. If the church understood this concept, uh, the church would be content. Imagine that. Imagine how effective we would be if we weren't striving for number one. If we weren't striving to get that and be this and, be, you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, imagine being content with where God has you and with what God has given you. Um, and that's kind of what Jude is, is giving to us right here, talking about uh, what a servant is. And servant gives up his will, his wants, his desires, right, to the master. And it's not good enough, you know, that... God is just your master or your savior, but he has to be the Lord over your life as well, right? And so basically one who's in charge over your life. And a servant, by the way, never questions the master. Instead, he submits his will to the master, right? Uh, Slaves don't ask why to the master. Like, why? Why should I do? Why, God, right? Um, A servant just obeys the master. That's what they do. In Romans chapter 9, verse 20, it says, But indeed, O man, Paul says, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing form say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? So but don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not saying go buy a tiny house and go move to the mountains. I'm not saying all that, right? <laughs> okay. Don't misunderstand me. Um, but whatever we're doing, we ought to be doing it on to the Lord with all our strength, with all our might. We ought to be looking forward and pressing in to all that God has for us. Amen, church? Um, and because we're his servants, we're his. And that means we're to submit our desires and our will to the Lord in every aspect of our lives. Not just, you know, oh, Lord, I, I went to church already this week, you know. No, it's he wants to come with you everywhere you go. And he wants you to offer up that, that heart of worship in all that you do as well. Um, and we all need to come to that place in our lives where we just realize, you know what, we are servants of Jesus Christ. And if you do come to that place, it's going to affect every aspect of your life. It's going to affect the way you pray. It's going to affect the way you speak. It's going to affect the way you eat. It's going to affect the way you drink. It's going to affect, I could just go on forever, everything. <laughs> and you think about it, it really does. When you came to the Lord, there's things in your life that you didn't realize you were doing until the Lord came in. And then all of a sudden you're like, why am I doing that? i got to take care of myself. Um, you know, and, and live this life onto the Lord. So not only was Jude a servant, but secondly, a Jude was a brother of James. Look at verse 1 again. That says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. You guys remember the, the um, James brother uh, and John, the sons of Zebedee, the, the sons of thunder, right? That's not the same James here. At least I don't think so. I'm not too sure. But um, that one died in the first century sometime uh, uh, after Stephen. You guys remember Stephen's the first martyr of the church uh, who died for the Lord. But this James is one that wrote the book of James in the New Testament. He was there in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon the church, the early church there in Acts chapter 1 verse 13. And he also is the one who became a pillar in the church according to um, Galatians chapter 2 verse 9. 
Um, so he eventually became one of the lead pastors uh, there in Jerusalem. Um, and according to Acts chapter 15, um, he was a part of the first council. And James was very uh, vocal in organizing uh, just the requirements, you guys remember they're, they're coming up for the requirements for the Gentiles when they came to the Lord and, and they said, okay, this is what we ought to, we ought to put something together. Well, James is one of those guys who spoke up loudly during that time. Um, so very interesting, or not, I don't know. <laughs> but Jude, uh, Jude was a servant. He was a brother of James. And third, he was humble. He was humble. Now, you got to catch this, right? This is, go back to brother of James. That's where I get it from. Uh, in fact, turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, if you would, if you're quick. Matthew chapter 13. Um, it says in verse 53, by the way, this Jude had other brothers and sisters um, besides James. Uh, in fact, he has... Uh, other brother was Jesus Christ himself. They were, James and Jude were actually half brothers of Jesus Christ himself. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. It says in verse 53, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. And so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? And is this not the carpenter's son? The answer is yes. Is is not his mother called Mary? The answer is yes. And his brother James, and that's our James, that's the guy we're talking about right here, uh, Joseph and Simon and Judas. Judas, this is speaking of our guy Jude, uh, and his sisters. Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Uh, you guys remember Judas, uh, Jude in Greek means Judas. Uh, this is referring to, to Jude. So Mary, by the way, she went on to move... Um, she had more sons and daughters as well uh, with Joseph. And I'm sure they all looked the same, you know, because they had the same parents. And I'm pretty sure Jesus actually stood out, right? Different dad kind of a thing going on. Um, and that's, I don't know about you. You probably read over that like, yeah. But uh, I was born in a, in a Mexican family. And of course, I'm white. <laughs> you can imagine the family pictures, right? Like, who put the light on that bright over there? Oh, man, right? And it just kind of stands out. So when I read about, you know, these, you know, the names, and then there's Jesus, you know, these brothers and sisters, that's just what goes through my mind. I don't know why. It's just like, man, I wonder how he looked. I'm sure he was, had some similarities to Mary, maybe the same nose or something, but I don't know. Um, but Jude says he's a brother of James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He could have boasted in saying, Yes, uh, you guys know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you know, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Well, he's my brother. So get ready for me to speak. Here I come, right? He could have had some kind of speech like that. It could have been puffed up in his head. Uh, but he didn't. And by the way, people do that all the time, don't they? They boast about, you know, I'm related to so-and-so. They're a celebrity. Or, you know, I'm popular because I know, you know, or whatever. You hear that all the time. But I don't see Jude doing that like we do today. Instead, he's, he says, I'm just a floor sweeper. Uh, and that's my brother James over there. 
You know, that's kind of the idea of what he's saying right here. And uh, there's a song called, and I was listening to, I listen to worship when I'm studying, and, uh, and, I, and this song came on at the exact same time I was going over there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write that. But how deep the Father's love. And there's a lyric. It says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. You guys like that? That's why I'm not up here singing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good one. But that's what our boast should be. It should be in Jesus Christ. If we're going to boast in anyone, it should be in him alone, right? And that's the heart that Jesus desires for all of us. It's called a humble heart, right? You got two different hearts in this world. You got the prideful heart and you got the humble heart, right? And Jesus, uh, it, that's his heart for you and I to, to follow like him. Um, by the way, turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we can become very prideful, you know, with the gifts that we have, with the material things that we have, and God has blessed us, indeed, I think he has, and, but understand, it all comes from the Lord, all that we have is from the Lord, it has nothing to do with you and me, um, Colossians 1.27 says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's the reward enough, you know, that I think about. Um, he is our reward. He is what we, we don't even have to work for. We already have him. He's in us. Uh, to the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2, God says, you know, to the promise to the overcomers is, I will give you the morning star. Later on in, I think, Revelation 19, he says, I am the morning star, right? And it's like, you, you, I'm giving you me. That's the best reward you can get of all rewards. It's amazing. Um, so we need to understand this. And I think when we do understand this, um, we're going we're gonna to see that humility um, in our lives um, and just realizing that, you know, he's everything. Well, Jesus set that example of humility for us. Look, look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That is amazing. Back, back to Jude. Um, I love it when the word just explains itself. It's, it's the best. Um, let's come to the second question. It's, to whom was this book written to? Well, it was written to believers, right? Um, there are three things about believers in verse 1. And number the first thing I notice is they are called. Notice in verse 1, to those who are called. And that word called, this is, it's actually mentioned 11 times in the New Testament. Uh, it can carry one of two ideas. The first it can carry is the uh, invited or invitation. Or it can carry the, the idea of appointed. We would say selected. Uh, now, 
Are both of those true, those words that carry, that we're called? Uh, yes, Jesus Christ, does he invite us? He invites us and everyone to receive a free gift of eternal life. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mark 8, 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires, notice whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, not the elect, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So everybody is invited. Now, some churches teach that only the elect are invited, and not all are invited, right? So uh, speaking of those who are, you know, chosen, elect, predestined, those are some of the big names there. Um, But has God selected us? Well, yeah, the Bible is very clear, Ephesians 1.4. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, John 15.16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus says, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God loves us so much, so much so, that he has given us the ability to choose. Uh, it's amazing. Well, you, you can choose to be chosen. Did you guys know that? It's pretty simple. How do you know if you're chosen? Well, choose to be chosen and you'll know that you've been chosen by God to be chose. I don't know how to say that. um, When you think about it, what does the Bible say? Joshua 24, 15, right? It says, choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve, you know, and he goes on. uh, And Deuteronomy, Moses says in uh, chapter 30, verse 19, he says, choose life. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, he says in verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully the law, right, or his commandments, uh, that I command you, thus the blessings. And he goes on for the next, what, 14 verses. And then he goes up to verse 15, and he says, If you do not obey the commands, or the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe, you know, these things, then thus the curses, right? So you got thus you obey the blessing, you disobey the curses. You read that chapter, it makes total sense. So clearly we have an option, and I could go forever. That was just a few little things that came to my mind. But another thing about these believers back in Jude um, is they are sanctified. They're sanctified. Notice in verse one, this word sanctified, hagiazo used 29 times in the New Testament, simply means set apart or uh, holy, right? And this word sanctified is in the perfect tense. 
uh, something happened in past and the results continue on now in the future. That's the, the, the perfect tense, right? We're being set apart. We're being made holy. And we're, you're not sanctified because you believe you are or you say you are or who you are or what you do. No, notice who sanctified you. Notice right there in Jude, it says sanctified by who? God the Father. Do, can we sanctify ourselves? No. I'm going to go take so many showers, right? I'm going to go be so holy and do all these works today. And, and man, I will be sanctified, right? I don't think so. It's, it's only in Christ who sanctifies us, right? We were sanctified the moment we were justified. And that speaks of the cross, that when you believed on Jesus, when, when uh, what he did on the cross, we were sanctified. We were justified. Um, and we, that, it, I love Romans. That's, Romans explains the whole thing. It's pretty amazing. But the believers are not only called sanctified, but thirdly, they are preserved. Interesting. Look at verse 1. It says preserved. Um, it's used, this word, 75 times in the New Testament, and it means to guard, to keep watch over, to protect. And you and I as believers are protected. We are guarded. We are watched over. And this speaks of absolute security that we have in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. Um, in fact, turn to, to your left to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, look at verse 13. It says in 1 John 5.13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That speaks to the deity right there, right? Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. That's our confidence in Christ Jesus. That's our confidence in salvation. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In fact, turn to your left to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter Chapter 1, it says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are, and here it is, are kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God. Church, are we secure? Yeah. <laughs> Who is securing us? None other than God himself. That is pretty remarkable. It's amazing. Um, and and, it, and it, it, it gets even better. You guys ready for this? Romans 8.38. If you're quick to get there, go ahead. But Romans 8.38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, nothing, nothing, nada, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is that amazing? Amen? Amen, church? That's awesome. Oh, there's one more. 
John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So those who abide in Christ Jesus, are they're the preserved ones. They're the overcomers. They're the ones who, the real believers, right, who uh, are with Christ. You guys could check out John chapter 15 on your own. Um, but for the rest of us, go back to Jude. Um, and let's come to the third question. What is the key theme of the book? Uh, it's, it's a warning and a reminder to the church regarding ungodly men who creep into the church and they turn the grace of God into, well, into their own ways, basically. They twist scripture to their own gain, their own profit, basically. And if that's the case, then I would say the key verse would be uh, verse 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, uh, so that would be the key verse. And now, the next question, where was this book written? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, but most people, they say, in Jerusalem, because James was a pastor there in Jerusalem. So if uh, Jude was his brother, maybe they lived in the same city, and, and so maybe he wrote it from Jerusalem. That's the assumption there. Uh, but when was this book written? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's another one, I don't know. But most people think it was 65 AD to 67 AD uh, after Second Peter, presumably since uh, it deals with those false teachers who will come. See, if you watch the, the, the writing there, it's talking about those who will come. But in Jude, it says they've already, they've, they, they have come. So it's already, it's already happened. So it kind of puts you in that kind of ballpark. Um, let's come to the sixth question here is, why is this letter so important? Why is it so important? Like the church back then, the church today is in real danger of these false teachers who are creeping into the church unnoticed. Why unnoticed, right? We ought to be a dis, dis, uh, discerning type church, right? We ought to be seeing this stuff happening. And it is, and I'm sure those who, uh, the watchmen who are sounding the alarm, they're getting ridiculed. And they're saying, people are pointing fingers at them and saying, how dare you speaking against your brother, right? Like you got nothing else to do. And it's like, wait, what? Right? You just, you just skipped the whole heart of what I was, you know, I'm sounding the alarm to warn you because they're going to devour you, right? And, but they don't understand that. In fact, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul knows that he's, he's not going to escape Herod, right? He's going to get beheaded, and he's going to turn over the oversight of the church to a young man named Timothy. And Timothy, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. He says, Paul says, I charge you therefore to Timothy, 
uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now, Paul is charging Timothy a warning, really, before he hears the commandment that he's going about to give him. This charge is so great that you, you'll stand before God and you're going to give an account. That's what he's saying, right? How, how, how you carried out this charge that I'm going to give you back on earth, right? Back When you look back at life and how you're going to be judged before the Lord on how you actually responded to this. So Paul reminds him that the Lord is coming back. And in the last days, we know that there's going to be uh, mockers in the last days, right? And they're going to question, is God really going to come back? I mean, it, look, at it's been 2,000 years already. Is he really, right? There's gonna, that's how it's going to be in these times. But look at verse 2, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says, preach the word. Uh, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So even if it's acceptable or not, right? And I think of Tyndale, right? He was burned at the stake for printing a known uh, Bible for, for the common man so that they could understand it. What did the Catholics do? Well, they burned him. They beat, they beat him up. They, they were burning all the Bibles. They were taking the Bibles, giving the power to the priest instead of the word of God. And uh, I could go on about that, but we know in the last days there's going to be a famine for the word of God uh, and the hearing of the, the word of the Lord, right? And people are replacing it with doctrines of demons. This is happening right now. This is scary stuff. Um, look at verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. People say they don't study uh, doctrine because it's dis- divisive, right? It, it, it brings division. And honestly, it does. Praise the Lord for that. Doctrine does bring division. It's so sharp. It, it cuts very, very to the heart. And it, there's either a right, there's a wrong. There's, you know, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of the word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, right? Um, and we are to study doctrine, though. That's the dumbest thing that I hear people say. The Christian, I don't, I don't do doctrine. That's, I'm a Christian, though. Wait, what? Right? Yes, we're to study doctrine. Uh, we need to know our uh, soteriology, right? How are we saved, right? We are to know our eschatology. Where are we going? We're to know our Christology, the, our means of salvation. We are to know our ecclesiology. Yes. Um, basically, what God is doing in the church and what is the church doing as the bride of Christ. We ought to know these things. The doctrine is, I mentioned Romans earlier, right? We ought to know the grace that God has given the church. That's, we have so much, guys, that we don't even, we can't even, we don't, we're not even tapping into all that God's given us. Uh, look at the rest of Second Timothy. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. It says, And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, well, 
the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You see, the very first thing that Jesus tells them about is Well, the sign of the time is about deception. And church, we need to know the word of God that's going to protect us. It's going to keep us and it's going to hold us uh, from deception, right? We're to hold fast to the word of God. We're to know the word of God. You guys know this. I'm not going to overdo it because obviously you're here, right? (laughs) You're here to know the more of the word of God. You want to grow more and mature more in your walk with the Lord, and so do I, and I think we are. Um, But may we continue to grow in in the word. Um, Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Uh, Look at verse 29. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. Men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, Paul calls the elders of Ephesus, and he warns them before he dies, Paul was warning them that false teachers were coming in to deceive the church. And I'm sure all of us want to stand for Christ, um, and and that's a good thing. Um, I think of Polycarp. You guys remember Polycarp? Uh, In the first century, uh, he took over John. Well, he was a disciple of John, but he took over. And and, uh, when he was about 86 years old, he was arrested because he declared Jesus Christ as Lord over all creation and not over Caesar, right? Caesar was supposed to, you guys remember, that was the emperor worship back in the day. And and when the soldiers came to arrest him, he invited them in and he fed them and he did his, it was his custom to uh, pray for three hours. These soldiers were just sitting there and they, they just waited and they, they heard uh, him pray for, th- it's amazing. You guys can read up on him. But uh, then the next day, right, they, they, they take him to Rome and they're begging him the whole way to just say that Caesar is Lord and you'll be saved. You don't have to die. And as they brought him to the arena, Caesar said, confess me as Lord, right? And, and Polycarp said, these 86 years I have served the Lord Jesus Christ and he never once wronged me. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? he says. Caesar said, oh, I'll feed you the lions. And Polycarp said, I like lions. <laughs> and, and Caesar said, fine, I'm going to burn you. And so they brought all the wood, right? They tied up his hands and, and uh, they lit it on fire. And then uh, the fire wasn't even touching him. But as, as he was on fire, or the wood was on fire, I should say, he was giving the gospel. He was telling the word of God. And they stacked more wood and they couldn't see him anymore, but they could still hear him. And he's like, and Jesus loves you, right? <laughs> and they're like, put more wood on him. And, and then finally the soldier got all frustrated and he got a spear and he slashed him, right? And it said that his blood actually squirted all over the, the wood and the fire burnt out. 
crazy. And, and then they were like, how do we kill this guy? And he kept going until he was done telling the gospel, basically, and preaching the word to everybody there in the arena. And when he was done, and then he died. Uh, but very interesting. But church, we're living in the last days. And we need to be very, very watchful because there will be false teachers that will creep up. They'll arise among us, right? And, and it's very scary. They're going to lead uh, many away. And persecution is coming for the church. And I, I will not deny my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that none of us here will as well. I pray that we would take a stand. And by taking that stand, Many will come to the Lord. They will see that, that that's real faith. Here they are laying down their lives in the first century. Many came to the Lord just because of that. And I pray the same thing happens with us. When it happens, I pray that we are bold, right, by the grace of God in our hearts, that we able, we're able to present the word as well at that moment. So praise the Lord. Um, let's go back to Jude. Jude, and, and the seventh question, the last question is, how is this book divided? We're going to go over huh, how, uh, how Jude is divided. The, the first thing is the introduction in verses 1 and 2. Uh, the second is the exhortation, verses 3 and 4. And then the third is the illustrations in verses 5 through 16. That's the, uh, the Old Testament illustrations, right? Uh, and then fifth, a warning, in verses 17 through 25 is how we're going to break it up. Um, Jude gives us three things, by the way, in verse 2. Um, he's, he, he said the first thing is mercy, right? Having, that's having held back that which we deserve. Now, grace is really getting what we don't deserve. Judgment is getting what we do deserve. But mercy is having held back, right, what we do. What do we deserve, by the way? We deserve hellfire, brimstone, right? We, we deserve all that. Uh, but yet God has given us mercy. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, peace is the next one. It's mentioned 93 times in the New Testament. It means rest, tranquility. It, it, it's, uh, it, we need this today in our lives, right? Um, we often forget that peace, rest, and tranquility, it's not something we... Uh, can get on our own or, or, or will get. It's something that we already have as the body of Christ. In, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, we're told that Jesus Christ is our peace. Right, so and where is in Colossians one twenty seven? Christ is where is he? Well, he's in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Bible says so. Peace, by the way, is not based on our circumstances. Right, it's not like you can, uh, you know, as if you can go and purchase something and all of a sudden you have peace. Right, we think if we had this or we had that, then I'll have peace. But that's not the case. Peace. Oh, this only comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ and him alone. Um, let's come to our last word here, and that's the word love. Love, right? That's the agape word uh, used 117 times in the New Testament. That's that selfless, sacrificial, spiritual type of love. And by the way, this love can only come through a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. It's not something that you can conjure up in and of your own flesh. It's not, think about it, you really can't. Um, and, and it's something only God can give when, through a personal relationship. I, I look at, a, uh, I could go forever talking about it, but I think of my communication with others, right? If I'm in a heated debate with somebody and I'm like, oh, right? And they're like, you're wrong. I know you're wrong, right? And then I walk away and it could be a minute, two minutes, five minutes, an hour, ten days later, I don't know when. But the Lord will speak to me and be like, Josh, you know, when I died on the cross, it was for you when you were in sin, right? And it's like, oh, Lord, thank you, I know, right? And it's, but, but I died for them as well, right? And it's like, oh, Lord, I know, okay. And it, it changed, you know, because of that love that I've experienced, that relationship with Christ, it really changes up my attitude on everything, right? And, and it, like those situations, now I'm able to come back to that situation and say, you know what, I was wrong, you know, and, and I'm sorry, and, and because of that, you know, here's, and I'm able to restore that relationship. I can't, I couldn't have done that before Christ. Before Christ, it's like, you're still wrong. No, you're wrong. Rawr, rawr, right? And then everything else, right? But, but because of Christ, it's that love that really changes up everything and, and just really messes you up. Uh, but as if that's not enough, right? Jude, he goes on and he adds at the end of verse 2, it says, be multiplied to you, right? No, not added to you since you already have these, right? You got mercy, you got peace, you got love. And I think this speaks of and points to how much God wants to bless you so much with these qualities. It's amazing. More so than, you know, prospering with material gain. I think God wants to more so give you peace in your life he wants to give you that love he wants to give you that that mercy and <laughs> god knows we need that mercy right in our lives um and we need grace on top of that if, if you're like me i'm always begging lord just a little more grace please <laughs> i really need it um but church i just i pray that you guys are encouraged as i was going through jude um i just there's all a lot that just pops out and uh i just pray that you guys are encouraged with this background this introduction that we have here it's only two verses i know um but there's the, you can tell like we just went through right there's so much there and there's so much more than that um so i pray that you guys would take this to heart and also for homework Read the rest of this letter of Jude, and you'll be super encouraged, not only in the times that we're in today and how much it makes sense, uh, but also at the end, you know, on, on who, who really is keeping us, who belongs all the glory, who is going to be exalted in the end. It's amazing. I love it. So why don't you guys stand with me and, and pray and, um, and give it to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for the encouragement um, to uh, be exhorted, Lord, to know you more, to draw near to you all the more, Lord, knowing the, the times that we live in and uh, just the, the evil that, that is happening all around, Lord, how uh, much more so should we cling to you? Help us, Lord, to, to draw near to you and to, um, and just speaking of your grace, Lord, I do ask that you would just continue to pour your grace upon this church, your mercy, Lord. We need that love, that peace, that, uh, Lord, everything about you. We need you, Lord, in our lives. And so I pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, go before us, Lord. Um, I pray your word would, would uh, continue uh, to be 
in our minds, Lord, in our hearts and uh, in our mouths, Lord, that we would speak forth your word as we go to work, as we go our way, Lord, uh, that we would exalt you as we would consider others uh, as, a, as a servant, Lord, and as just walking right after you, Lord, in the ways that you showed us to walk. And so we love you, Father, and uh, we give you this night. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something that you can conjure up in and of your own flesh. It's not, think about it, you really can't. Um, and, and it's something only God can give when through a personal relationship. I, I look at, uh, uh, I could go forever talking about it, but I think of my communication with others, right? If I'm in a heated debate with somebody and I'm like, oh, right? And they're like, you're wrong. I know you're wrong, right? And then I walk away and it could be a minute, two minutes, five minutes, an hour, 10 days later, I don't know when, but the Lord will speak to me and be like, Josh, you know, when I died on the cross, it was for you when you were in sin, right? And it's like, oh, Lord, thank you, I know, right? And it's, but, but I died for them as well, right? And it's like, oh, Lord, I know, okay. And it, it changed, you know, because of that love that I've experienced, that relationship with Christ, it really changes up my attitude on everything, right? And, and it, like those situations, now I'm able to come back to that situation and say, you know what, I was wrong, you know, and I'm sorry, and, and because of that, you know, here's, and I'm able to restore that relationship. I can't, I couldn't have done that before Christ. Before Christ, it's like, you're still wrong. No, you're wrong. Rawr, rawr, right? And then everything else, right? But, but because of Christ, it's that love that really changes up everything and, and just really messes you up. Uh, but as if that's not enough, right? Jude, he goes on and he adds at the end of verse 2, it says, be multiplied to you, right? No, not added to you since you already have these, right? You got mercy, you got peace, you got love. And I think this speaks of and points to how much God wants to bless you so much with these qualities. It's amazing. More so than, you know, prospering with material gain. I think God wants to more so give you peace in your life he wants to give you that love he wants to give you that that mercy and <laughs> god knows we need that mercy right in our lives um and we need grace on top of that if, if you're like me i'm always begging lord just a little more grace please <laughs> i really need it um but church i just i pray that you guys are encouraged as i was going through jude um i just there's all a lot that just pops out and uh i just pray that you guys are encouraged with this background this introduction that we have here it's only two verses i know um but there's the, you can tell like we just went through right there's so much there and there's so much more than that um so i pray that you guys would take this to heart and also for homework Read the rest of this letter of Jude, and you'll be super encouraged, not only in the times that we're in today and how much it makes sense, uh, but also at the end, you know, on, on who, who really is keeping us, who belongs all the glory, who is going to be exalted in the end. It's amazing. I love it. So why don't you guys stand with me and, and pray and, um, and give it to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for the encouragement um, to uh, 
uh, be exhorted, Lord, to know you more, to draw near to you all the more, Lord, knowing the, the times that we live in and uh, just the, the evil that, that is happening all around, Lord, how uh, much more so should we cling to you? Help us, Lord, to, to draw near to you and to, um, and just speaking of your grace, Lord, I do ask that you would just continue to pour your grace upon this church, your mercy, Lord. We need that love, that peace, uh, Lord, everything about you. We need you, Lord, in our lives. And so I pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, go before us, Lord. Um, I pray your word would, would uh, continue uh, to be in our minds, Lord, in our hearts and uh, in our mouths, Lord, that we would speak forth your word as we go to work, as we go our way, Lord, uh, that we would exalt you as we would consider others uh, as, a, as a servant, Lord, and as just walking right after you, Lord, in the ways that you showed us to walk. And so we love you, Father, and uh, we give you this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.